wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. North South Connection listeners, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. I'm your host as always, Jake. Joining me again, Logan Crosland. Logan, um, approximately how many nightmares have you had about Unmasked Kane since the last episode? Uh, Every night, at least twice. I wake up Mm -hmm. and then I think about it again. So uh, just a horrifying... The hair. Just Mm -hmm. the hair horrifying, the face, the the charcoal burnt uh, ash that he put on his face, just... Absolutely horrible. And it only gets worse tonight. Um, I actually am only here to hand in my resignation, so I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> but happy to be You signed on the dotted line. Damn it. I'm We're co-GMs now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trying to no-show like uh, no-show like Steve Austin on this one to give everybody a window into this. But um, So to set the table, uh, we are a week off from Kane being unmasked, so we'll get the follow-up to that. We have, uh, I guess the main story in SmackDown is the uh, Zach Gowan-Vince McMahon feud, which is kind of pivoted, as we'll get to, from being about Mr. America, and now we're in full-on. It's more of a Zach Gowan-Stephanie McMahon versus Vince uh, situation we have going on there. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's our two main storylines, but we'll we'll get back into it. I don't have any big news notes. Um we kind of mentioned it last week we'll kind of integrate into the show, but we have a uh, departure that we'll speak about on SmackDown uh mm-hmm. speaking of Mr. America. But other than that, not a whole lot too um interesting. Old Melts is still talking about Vince acting like a nut job on the HBO thing, but other than that nothing too much uh as far as WWE news here. Yeah, he, he he's full on nut job. Not only in that interview, but just on on these shows <laughs> at, at the same time. So uh, we'll get to that though. <laughs> right, of course. We're a bit in this. Uh, we're in the summer, which is not always the hottest time frame, but we're we're creeping up on the SummerSlam build. I we're by the time we get to the SmackDown, we're going to be into July. It kind of snuck up on me when I looked at yeah. the day of the SmackDown, thinking it was July. I was like, man, we're like getting through the summer. It'll be SummerSlam soon enough. So anyway. Let's uh, let's hop into it. So we got Raw here. It'll be the June 30th, 2003 Raw. We are live still in New York, but not in New York City. We are now in Buffalo, New York uh, for Raw here. And uh, we start off with it. 
an extensive recap of uh, Kane's unmasking that we covered, of course, in detail last week. Um, but we're going to open the show this week with uh, Chris Jericho's highlight reel. Um, though Kane is not going to be his guest, uh, he does get a dig at Kane saying he looks like Krusty the Clown on crack cocaine, which is a very Jericho line. <laughs> um, he said that was all about ugly, but tonight he wants to start the show with beauty. So he's going to bring out one Stacey Keebler as his, de- as his guest. Um, she comes out, of course, uh, she is in a skin tight, like, uh, black, almost look like latex or some kind of outfit, uh, a bin bag outfit. We could maybe call it, mm-hmm. um, as we've known to, uh, Scott Stein, of course, accompanies her soon after he does a provocative spot where he removes her garter, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Jericho very in the Stacey says, your legs are off the hizzle. Uh, tells, uh, I love I'll, this is one of my favorite Jerichoisms is telling calling people junior, especially when the person's yes. like twice his size. I don't know why it always pops me. But he just looks his size. He goes, ah, time to hit the bricks, junior. Like to this man whose arms are bigger than his head uh, is amazing. Of course, Steiner does not listen. He declines. Uh, he calls Jericho's uh, silvery outfit a Jiffy Pop jumpsuit. So actually a pretty clever line by Steiner there. Um, I wonder if he came up with that himself. Uh, Jericho has been very into Stacy's Stuff magazine spread. I remember this at the time, and this is the one and only time in my life I've heard Stuff magazine mentioned. Uh, I don't know. If, I take it Stuff magazine probably not around anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably guess not. Uh, I, this was... This was the first time I remember hearing about it as well. So, uh, and, and only, so yeah, definitely, definitely on the same on you on that one. Um, I love all Jericho's little extra details. He throws like, um, he's like, as we look to the very expensive Jeratron, like just all this <laughs> ridiculousness. Uh, he says, um, why he asked Stacy why she would want to be with, oh, with Steiner when she could be with a legend like himself, who's not only a legend in the ring, but also a legend in the sack, uh, she then counters by saying he's nothing compared to Freakzilla, and the only thing legendary about Jericho is how small his penis is. Uh, so, crowd gets a good laugh not, not out of that. Not the best delivery on that one either, because she no. she definitely flubs whatever the fuck she was supposed to say. But yeah, legendary, your legendarily small penis. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Jericho says that his next guest is going to be Test. So of course, this is just uh septrifuge i guess you would call it for uh them to jump scott steiner here um eric comes out quickly and a trend that's gonna eric shows up extremely fast oh, as if yes. he knows exactly what's gonna <laughs> like he's just waiting gorilla this whole show um he pops out he wants to capitalize on this drama um his jacket here yeah he usually has like the cheesy like midlife crisis leather jacket but it's like a cookies and cream leather jacket. I would describe <laughs> it that he has on here. It's absurd. It's Oreo ridiculous. fluff jacket. <laughs> yeah. It is a like. It makes his normal cheesy leather jacket look so much better. I don't know what the hell this was. I don't know if he was like stepping out because Austin's not here, but it was it was a choice. But it's uh, almost like snaky looking too. But yeah, very it yeah. Looks Oreo or, <laughs> Oreo python. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Oreo it, snake. Yeah, his uh, his uh, constant appearances are going to become very grating throughout the night. Um, but yeah, th- I mean Steiner with the "I'm going to shove that Jiffy Pop jumpsuit up your ass" was a pretty good line. So I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, St- Stacy, uh, not 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 the best delivery on her her few lines that she had. 
Um, but yeah, obviously this was just a setup of match and to set up uh, Bischoff uh, being a dick throughout the night. So uh, not right. a bad so segment, he, but it did kind of drag. I felt like a little bit. Yeah, he sets up. It, it has the normal like long raw deal going on. It probably went on a little bit too long, but yeah, he sets up a tag later where it's going to be um, uh, Steiner and Stacy versus Test. And uh, Jericho, I thought Jericho kind of carried it though. I thought he was pretty funny in this, like the mm-hmm. uh, all his uh, I don't know, in all his normal lines, like hit the bricks, Junior, and uh, <laughs> ragging on Kane and mm-hmm. all his ridiculousness. Uh, and his delivery is always funny, so he kind of carried it for me. But I agree, probably a bit long, as these raw openings typically are. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, I've not, I've not been the biggest fan of the Test and Steiner feud, so not thrilled about that. Yeah, the fact that it seems to be continuing and continuing and continuing. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we go to a break and we come back and we cut to uh, Lance Storm. Uh, I guess this is going to be his new thing. He is reading his statement and we go to it in progress. Uh, and then this week he's reading the definition of boring to prove that he's not boring. Uh, like Webster's defines boring as something that causes listlessness and discontent. Um, and he's cut off by Goldberg here, but before Goldberg can come out to face Lance Storm, which apparently is our scheduled match, Rodney Mack tries to jump him. It does not last long, though, as Goldberg just completely pushes the shit in and uh, just uh, beats the shit out of him once again. And, uh, yeah, I think we can start calling him Jobney Mack at this point because this is the second week in a row. He's just gotten his shit pushed in by Goldberg. But I did like them, like, weaving stuff in with this, like – you know, I, I did like in the early going of the show, they're kind of rapid firing all this stuff. Like we get the test stuff, then we got Storm being boring, and they go right into Goldberg beating up Rodney Mack again. So I at least like that they were kind of blending all this together, like moving at a decent pace. Yeah, and even though, like I think, like we've said, I think the Rodney Mack experience is uh, n- not much longer for this world, but at least they're like continuing to use him in that role. I mean, it's him, it's him getting destroyed, but at least uh, he didn't just get destroyed last week and like, let it go. He, he obviously is pissed about it and wants to get back at Goldberg. So it was good to see him kind of attack him, but yeah. Uh, storm with the prepared statement once again was qu- quite a good uh, little, little thing. Like it was the previous week uh, reading the boring definition. Um, but yeah, Goldberg gets almost his whole entrance. He gets the cool parts of it, at least. He kind of gets attacked once he gets to the ring um, by, by Rodney, like you said. Um, but, yeah, he absolutely creams him with the spear and just jackhammers the shit out of him. So, really good stuff. I, w- I want to say that I read that at this point, it's something in Goldberg's contract. Like he's supposed to have some kind of creative control and that maybe he was getting more say in gotcha. what he was doing at this point. So, maybe that could be the part of the reason why he's been presented a little better or more like what typically gets Goldberg over like these last few weeks has been short. He's not talking. He's just, you know, Jack Hammer motherfuckers like, and by motherfuckers, I mean Rodney Mack exclusively, <laughs> but you know, like it's been quick. It's like what the crowd gets into. Like we don't need Goldberg in long matches. We just need to show that he's like a phenom. And I think they've been doing better with that the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. He's, he, he well, I, this is the first time I think he's getting his full entrance. So like, uh, they mm-hmm. definitely really knocked it out of the park this time. Yeah, the question will be, is it too little, too late? But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, we see that Eric is speaking with Kane. Kane's got a towel over his head, of course, to uh, hide himself. Uh, so they kind of shoot it where you can't really see his face. They shoot it from behind with the towel. Eric, of course, being the opportunist, wants Kane out in front of the fans because it means ratings. 
Uh, Kane refuses. So Eric tries to bribe him with another title shot. Kane still refuses. And he says, fine, if he doesn't want the title shot, he'll give it to RVD instead. And uh, he says that if Kane doesn't show up out there tonight in front of the crowd, he will be fired. So uh, Eric continuing to antagonize Kane and something that will build throughout the night. But uh, so just the first glimpse of what post-mass Kane's going to be. So obviously he's distraught. And they're kind of building that he doesn't give a shit about title shots or any of that anymore. He's just like deranged. Yeah, and he he seems to not want to go out in front of the fans. That's like the number one thing he doesn't want to do. Um, I don't, I don't, I guess we'll learn throughout the night kind of why. But yeah, he's obviously very, very. I, I don't want to even say ashamed, but embarrassed to not have his mask anymore. It seemed to be real important to to him. So um, he's obviously a little, a little catatonic in the back. Yeah. Um, but Eric, Eric, being the dick that he is, um, gives him an ultimatum, and we'll see if he uh, pulls out on it. All right, so that we head to the ring for a uh, a women's world title battle royal, kind of out of nowhere. So our participants here will be uh, Trish Stratus, Victoria, Jazz, Ivory, Molly Holly, Jacqueline, and the debuting, uh, we saw a few vignettes for Gail Kim. So uh, again, crossing the, uh, the streams here between Highway to the Impact Zone, between TNA and WWE here mm-hmm. uh, with Gail. Uh, so uh gail comes out her look i would describe as like a matrix kind of thing she's got like this long uh you know like long black yeah long black coat on here uh so this is like royal rumble rules ivory quickly dumped uh which is stupid if you think about what they've been doing because she just pinned jazz like three consecutive times so of course she's the first (laughs) one to like Gets thrown out in 10 seconds. So that was kind of dumb. Jacqueline goes out pretty soon after. Pretty standard uh, battle royal, Royal Rumble kind of offense here. It's all in here just kind of like pushing on each other. The spot of this was like Victoria got a nice sidewalk slam. That was kind of one of the only real moves I saw during this. Uh, So we get a double team. They double team Victoria, uh, Gail and Trish do. uh, As Jazz kind of like – like if you blink, you'll miss it. But Jazz gets hurt here. I believe she um I think so I want to say she was hurt before this. That's the whole point of this match, is that she was actually injured before this, and I think she gets hurt in the match too. Like it's I think she got hit in the head or something. I don't know. Did you catch it? Um I think they show a replay at the end. I think Victoria like kicked her in the head and maybe it was a little too a little too snug. But yeah, I think she had a hurt shoulder or something like that mm-hmm. before this. And that's kind of why they did this anyway. So I think this was the plan. But then she gets knocked the fuck out, so uh, it kind of necessitates it at the same time. Yeah, because like in the middle of that match on commentary, like, well, I guess we're guaranteed to have a, um, a new champ tonight. But you don't really, because you never saw Jazz go over the top, so you're like, what the hell happened? So it's a little bit, and I felt like from that moment on, I mean, it was not a smooth match by any stretch before, but I felt it got real janky. I don't know if like they had the kind of call on the fly. I don't know if Jazz was supposed to be in there at the end or what. But I felt from this point, I got real like messy. Like they didn't really know what was going on. Trish gets knocked out. So maybe a little bit of surprise there. Um, so then it's Gail and Victoria here. And then finally, they kind of go back and forth again. It's a little bit, it's a little messy. But after some back and forth, Gail hits a Rana and like uh, Rana's Victoria out, uh, out of the ring to win the title in her debut. Unfortunately, though, the crowd does not really. I don't know if the crowd was still a little confused and thrown off by what happened to Jazz, or if they don't know Gail Kim enough, or they've been booking the women's division like shit, so no one cares. But it really doesn't. For a debut um, of somebody who has a good look and 
is winning the title in their debut. I didn't think the crowd gave much of a shit about this. I don't know about you, Logan. Yeah, I think you mentioned it in our chat. Uh, Bischoff mentioned uh, in the opening promo that Austin wasn't here. So um, mm. I think I think that kind of took the crowd out a little bit. But I think you're kind of right with the booking of this division over the last months, or a few months or so. Um, hadn't been the best. I mean, honestly, it hadn't the whole time you did the pod, it hadn't been great, but there's been points when it was better, but, uh, it really hasn't been that, that good for the last few months or so. Um, so I think it was just a combination of, oh man, Austin's not even here. And, uh, we kind of don't care about this match, uh, even though there's a new person that we are supposed to care about. Um, but JR mentions early that Austin is missing tonight because he had food poisoning. So, uh, there is that. Um, there were a few cool moves that I thought, um, Molly Holly hits a pretty gross drop kick on Kim. I feel like a lot of stuff that got hit on her in this match was real snug. So I think they were, uh, kind of roughing up the new girl a little bit. Um, I think you mentioned the like twisting power slam that Victoria did. I thought that was really, uh, really good, really good move. Um, I, I thought it was really impactful. Um, and then, like 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 we said, Jazz gets uh, knocked the fuck out, kind of off screen. Like I said, they think they show a replay at the end. Um, Jr. at one point describes uh, Victoria as goofier than a pet coon, so I felt the need to uh, mention that. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Gail wins with the Rana to the outside. Uh, but yeah, cool to see her win in her debut. But like you said, I don't think anybody in the arena really gave a shit about it. But uh, we'll see how she gets presented from here. Yeah, and just for ratings, I went like a star on this. Again, I thought it was pretty rushed and didn't feel like very inspired. I don't think they were doing Gail any favors here. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think, because like throughout the match too, she doesn't really like, she's not really the star of the match or anything throughout it. So I know I didn't think they put a lot of effort into getting her over in the way they set this up. Just like, not on their part, not low effort by them, but just the booking of the match just seemed kind of thrown together. So star for me. Yeah, and I think I think like kind of like we said, maybe the injury to Jazz kind of threw mm-hmm. it off. Like I think she was supposed to lose anyways, but um, I think that may have thrown off the remaining ladies that were in the ring after that. So that could be could have been part of it too for sure. But I'd probably go like one and a half. I thought there were a couple cool moves in there, but mostly like you said, it was pretty clunky and uh, not very well booked. All right, so we will go. Uh, our next match is going to be a. Intercontinental title, another rematch between Booker T and uh, Christian here. So uh, Booker's coming out. Christian jumps him during the entrance, uh, but then Booker T comes back at him. I thought Christian took a pretty wicked uh, flip over the steps here. He bumps over the steps as they're kind of brawling. And I enjoyed this first segment, like with them brawling uh, through the crowd and stuff. I thought it was pretty – had some nice fire to it. Uh, The officials finally get it under control. And I – and then, like, we go to a break, and they kind of settle back into, um, like, I guess more of a typical match, which is a little bummed about because I, I like the different start they did. I thought it gave a different energy compared to what we've seen because we're going on, like, the third time, basically, we've seen these guys. I mean, they've been going back and forth for a while, so it's getting to the point where you need to, like, and, like, none of the matches have really blown me away, so I'm kind of looking for something different here. But then they just kind of slid back into the normal thing. You got Christian doing a lot of chin locks, like just back and forth, like back into their normal kind of match template for, for the most part. You got a lot of Christian stalling, doing a lot of taunts, you know, then Booker T fires up, fires up on occasion. Uh, I really don't like Christian's heel offense. I find he's really boring with this. He relies on a lot of chin locks and basic stomps and, you know, playing to the crowd a lot. 
Uh, Booker gets hung up on the ropes, misses the axe kick. I thought that was a pretty good spot. Like him uh, axe kicking and getting hung on the ropes was a nice little uh, bump for him. Back to another chin lock. Booker hits a sidekick as uh, Christian jumps from the top. So you do have a few good spots sprinkled in here. I thought um, I thought it was a nice uh, – the sell on that was good too by Christian. He kind of had the shocked face and they shot it pretty well. Booker T goes for a flash pin as uh, I thought they finally started getting cooking in the in the closing stretch here. Uh, it looks like Booker T is going to get him. He hits the axe kick on the apron, but then he gets knocked off the top. Christian goes for the superplex. And Booker T uh, rolls into it for a win. Um, a little bit janky on that last spot because it's, I don't know, it's not one you usually see, like the superplex roll. I mean, I guess you see it sometimes, but they just didn't execute it super well. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a Booker T hater as some, but I will say Booker is not always the smoothest in this kind of, you know, with these kind of spots. He can be a little bit messy, but... The thing here is that before the crowd can even like react to Booker winning, like we said earlier, it's like Eric immediately, it's like he's waiting right there. Before the crowd can even pop for Booker winning, Eric comes out for like the dusty finish, <laughs> says there's no way he's going to let this. Both shoulders are down, which this looked messy too because you could see like Booker like had his shoulders up on the superplex thing and then he remembers like, oh wait, this we're doing like a... <laughs> both shoulders down. So you could just see him deliberately put his other shoulder down. It was, <laughs> it was kind of fucky, but so he rules it a draw and Booker T gets screwed again. So uh, like, I know they want to book Booker as getting screwed and that's kind of supposed to be the story, but they're getting to this like shit or get off the pop moment where we keep seeing the same match. It's not the most exciting match you're ever going to see. Like, um, I don't know. I wish they would have went more with what they had in the beginning. Like I like that brawl. I wish they would have just kind of changed up the format, show that Booker's pissed and he turns this into a full on brawl and not just back into the same fucking match they've been doing with Christian doing a million chin locks. It at least picked up at the end, but uh yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe instead of doing this, if you want to continue, maybe do the gimmick where you like they start brawling and they can't get them under control and you actually never end up having a match. Like that's where I would have went with it if I'm fantasy booking, but I don't know, two and three quarter. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I was kind of, it really wasn't that interesting to me. Yeah, I went two and a half. Um, yeah, with Bischoff, it was like one, two, three, I'm back. And he came out. It was like immediate. It was crazy. Um, like you said, for sure. He, he was out. Uh, it was like, he, yeah, like you said, it was like he was waiting at the curtain and just ran out as soon as uh, the ref hit three. Um, but, uh, just a just a few uh, spots that I kind of uh, put in my notes. Uh, Christian does kind of a sick neck snap over the top rope at one point. I thought that was pretty uh, sick looking. Um, Christian, uh, like kind of like you said, it's pretty boring on offense at this point. Um, I think he's a better heel character, but the, I think not that he's really wrestled as a face much in this run. But I feel like he's kind of his style is a little bit more suited to be a face uh, in the ring. But um, he, yeah, he's very boring with his uh, constant chin locks. And um, the problem with this match is every time Booker seemed to get like a move in, Christian had an answer and like immediately get back on top and lock in another headlock or another uh, chin lock or something like that. Christian dives off the top at one point. Booker 
catches him with a kick. I thought that was really uh, a really cool move. Um, and then, like you said, the match kind of picks up when Booker T gets on offense as the match is kind of getting towards the close, kind of getting deeper into the match. Um, he does the scissor kick over the top rope, kind of like you said. I thought that was a cool variation of that move. Uh, and then, obviously, he's going for the Harlem hangover at the end, but uh, Christian cuts him off and hits that superplex, and then they just lock legs and do the double pin. But, uh yeah, I, I, I'm kind of ready for these two to move on from each other. Uh, but with the fuck finish, I would like I, I would see it would seem that uh, they are probably going to do another match. Um, but Book, Booker either needs to win that next one or they need to move on to something else. Yeah, they need a you know, I know they kind of overdo this stuff, but they might need like a gimmick match or something. I just yeah. hard for me to see them just doing another regular match. It's just kind of getting old. Yeah, Christian, he comes off very like uh like great value Jericho, I find here, like in this kind of heel thing. Mm. Like he's just not like he's trying to almost do the same thing that Jericho does, but he just never comes off as interesting or like as fun to watch in the ring. I don't know. But And he has like half the charisma that he has at this point, so <laughs> right. yeah. Captain Charisma, but no, yeah, he, he ain't captain knows. yet. <laughs> right. All right, we go to RVD, who's with this uh, Kane. He tries to confront Kane and uh, tries to get him to not get fired. Like, come on, Kane. This is your job, man. Uh, him trying to give him this, like, inspiration. The fans will accept you, Kane. Like, um, <laughs> Rob not winning your Oscars. I'll put it that way. Him trying to, uh, you know, sound convincing here. Uh, Kane tells him that he hates the fans. And, uh, and then Rob says... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is like hilarious. So he goes, well, I hope you don't hate me when I win the title tonight, Kane. And and then he walks away and then he goes, I do hate you, Rob. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I do hate you, Rob. He's like, I do hate you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate everyone, RVD. I don't know why you're trying to reason with this madman. This absolute psychopath madman. But yeah. Also, he like, doesn't want him to lose his job. He, like This guy who's like revealed his identity he's like still burnt from all this trauma he's like come on man this is your job this is your job you go show your ugly face to everybody <laughs> yeah it's just good lord yeah we, we kind of learned that kane is like uh he he thinks the fans think he's a think he's a freak which obviously that's kind of what they're going for um but yeah that, that's that's his reason for not wanting to go out he didn't want to be made fun of and uh made you know picked on for what he looks like so but yeah rvd is uh I, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna uh get a team to get real excited or anything like that with his speeches so not 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 the best the fans will accept you kane come on i hope you don't hate me because when i win the title tonight <laughs> he's like nope nope definitely hate you buddy i hate you because of that and also just i hate you <laughs> All right, we moved to our um, our tag match that was set up earlier, where uh, poor Stacey's going to be put in danger as she's teaming with her boo, Scott Steiner, to face Jericho and Tess. Um, so um, the good thing so far, this will change as we get to the second half of the show, but at least everything on this show so far has had some kind of like angle to it, I guess, depending okay. on, I mean, the women's match. I believe she had a debut there. So at least there's some something happening with this. I'm grasping at straws here on Raw, but... <laughs> Uh, like at least this has an angle it's an angle i don't really like but at least it's not just two jamokes thrown together but um jr is like he is so mad at king because of course king is like ogling stacy and like 
JR is extremely upset that, that this match has even taken place and that he's been put in this position. And he's talking about Stacy's legs. And JR's like, damn it, King, this is a serious issue. God damn it. What do you, <laughs> could you get your mind? He's just so like pissed off that, that King is still looking at her legs. But um, Steiner slugs Jericho around. Tess gets in, gets a similar treatment. So it's all Steiner start. Um, so obviously the story is going to be that he Steiner's trying to, it's basically a handicap match because he obviously doesn't want to tag in Stacy. So he's trying to fight both guys. He does. Okay. At first, but they kind of do some basic double teaming and then Steiner ends up kind of, um, getting worked over. He finally catches Jericho in a belly to belly to kind of turn the tide. Crowd does not care about this at all. They're trying to use Stacy as like a chip to get sympathy, but the crowd could give a shit. Um, Stacy gets a, a spot on test where she he's hung up on the ropes and she gets to bounce his nuts around. So the crowd kind of cares about that. Um, they end up hitting the ref and there's Eric again. It's, it's like a meme on the show. He immediately pops out when they bump the rep and he goes, wait a second. I don't want to DQ in this. So I'm restarting this as a no disqualification match. Um, so, and then, uh, <laughs> I, another thing I didn't like about this as we get to the end is so Steiner's getting worked over. They now it's no DQ, so they just destroy him with a chair. Like, why would no face come and help? Like anybody come to help Stacy as she's about to get like destroyed? As so so Tess comes, um, King basically cheering them as they assault Stacy is kind of rough too, given King's you know <laughs> track record in real life. Is, like they're like basically Tess is pulling up for the pump handle slam and he's laughing. So he hits her with the pump handle slam and, uh, you know, and that's pretty much it matches over with that. So I want to star the match was pretty boring and they're trying to make test out to be this like dashly evil heel, but it's just not getting over like the crowd, no matter how heinous the shit is he does, the crowd still doesn't give a shit at all. Even when he's like pump handle slamming a woman, um, and yeah, like, I don't know. I just think it's silly. Like, why wouldn't anybody come out to help Stacy? I mean, there's got to be somebody like the hurricane or somebody that would come out. Like, I, you know, I guess that's like an old school way of thinking, but I just thought it was a little weird. But yeah, this kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Stacy must be a real prick backstage because uh, nobody wanted to come help her. Um, but yeah, I'd go a star on it. Steiner stuff in the beginning when he was working over the working over test and uh jericho i thought was pretty good but yeah once once jericho and test kind of took over it was kind of boring they did some they did some double teams that were all right but it you know it was mostly just them kind of wearing him down and wearing him down um all building to the dq and then the restart and then um i thought the i thought the pump handle slam was uh, pretty sick uh he really gets some snap into it and obviously she's like hundred pounds soaking wet. So he really, really destroys her with it. So, um, but yeah, just not a super interesting feud, uh, kind of like we've talked about already, but, um, yeah. And King just being himself, of course, uh, just being awful. So, uh, but yeah, one star, not, not too much going on here. Yeah. Not get. It's just not getting over what they're, they're trying to get tests over and it's, it's not happening. Mm. All right. Speaking try, try. <laughs> Six of 200 that they do on him. Speaking of not getting over, uh, let's go to our next match, which is going to be uh, the newly packaged Rico. He's be facing Maven. Uh, the music is absolutely terrible for Rico. Uh, 
So Rico does lots of preening. Uh, it's a lot of him doing suggestive motions, drops his crotch on Maven's face, uh, dances around with the ref. During all this, King's making a lot of lame gay jokes. Uh, Maven hits his spot, which is a top rope bulldog, but uh, Jackie uh, helps Rico avoid the loss by putting his foot on the ropes. Uh, uh, he ends up knocking Maven off the top and then defeats him with um, what is called a martial arts kick generic martial arts kick uh jackie's pants split so the crowd that's probably the highlight for the fans there is that it's split and you could see her thong after i don't know if that was intentional or not part of me thinks it probably was but this was they're like trying to do this whole like like rico being you know kind of adrian adonis or something like that or adrian street whatever you want to say but it's just not working like he doesn't have that kind of cachet they've treated him like a joke for so long it's it comes off as like very great value adrian adonis or Goldust or in you know you pick that character and by this point i feel like this is just not working anymore and there's nothing more to it than that i just can't see this going anywhere just bad match stupid gimmick um they shouldn't be selling rico with this because he's a decently talented guy half a star yeah i went dud i thought it was awful um Rico uh, basically takes uh, Maven off of his game with his athleticism and his flamboyance is what I what I said. I also described his uh, offense as homoerotic, so there is that. Um, but Rico at one point skips with the ref. He skips around the ring with mm-hmm. her. And he also does a uh, scissoring pin. Uh, he actually straddles. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know how that goes. Um, but uh, I, I described uh, the kick that he won with as a grazing kick because he uh, barely right. made contact. Uh, so yeah, there's that. But yeah, just just a terrible use of time. And like you said, um, this is like yeah. Again, in our chat, I think you described him as government treat, government cheese, uh, Adrian Adonis. So that that was very fitting. Just. I don't think this gimmick is going to work in this time period. And I, like you said, he's been treated as a joke. And even if he is a decent wrestler, he would have to be like really good at, to be able to get something like this over. Uh, and I just don't think he's got that in him. Right. And they're just not going to give it any more legs than this. It's going to be like a very one note, stupid gimmick, like with no more depth to it. So it's just going to go nowhere. It, mm. it sucks. Yeah. Not much more to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of jobbers, we have Tommy Dreamer here <laughs> facing uh, young Randall Orton uh, in this match, which has squash written all over it. Tommy Dreamer's got his generic WWE logo shirt on. It, it's just an excuse for Orton to show his stuff here, which he looks good. I mean, he's very smooth. He's got the cool finisher, nice drop kick. Uh, Dreamer hits like a sky high randomly, which is weird. <laughs> Like out of nowhere, uh, you get a little dreamer flair standoff, which I guess kind of has a little bit of novelty to it, given both their backgrounds and stuff. But, uh, yeah, dreamer walks right into an RKO, but you know, as a getting Randy Orton over and letting them showcase his offense, I thought this was totally cromulent. Uh, and then, uh, Rick puts him in the figure four after a while Orton whips him with the kendo stick just to kind of continue to get over like them being assholes and Orton, I guess maybe you could depending on your definition of legend, maybe you could push that they're pushing that. He's like, uh, you know, like Orton's going after these old veterans, you know, depending on your view of Tommy dreamer, but a star <laughs> a extended squash for Orton basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
to start the match out, they do this weird thing where they lock up and then they like hold on to each other's arms and like barrel roll out of the ring. It was super weird. Um, I, I thought that was a real strange way to start the match, but again, they kind of brawl outside. Um, but Dreamer kind of being chosen as the guy to represent Foley, I feel like is a major downgrade from Foley to <laughs> Dreamer. Um, but for a lot of the beginning of the match, Orton pretty much kicks his ass, kind of like you said. But I, I was surprised that Dreamer got as much offense as he as he did. Like you said, it kind of shows uh, Orton's stuff off. But I think it also showed that he could sell and that he could, you know, mm-hmm. uh, take some offense from a, from a guy like this and make it convincing. Because he seems like Dreamer seems to have the match won at one point. But Flair, uh, I can't remember if he punches uh, Dreamer or if he puts his foot on the rope or something. But he breaks up the pin somehow. Um, and, uh, th- this is still the early days of the RKO. So it kind of, this one kind of looked a little clunky, um, but he'll get it eventually. But, uh, yeah, I just went star on it. It wasn't anything too impressive. Yeah. It reminds me it's similar to the early stunners that Austin used to do where it's not yes. quite one fluid mo. It's not like that fluid motion yet. It's very kind of, and I think maybe deliberately a little bit like yeah. herky jerky cause they want to like sell that it's like this. I don't want to say jerk motion. I don't know what else to say it, but Ew. you know, like the like they want to sell like the I don't know how you say it, like kind of like the whiplash of it, like that he yeah. he snaps the neck, which obviously will evolve. But yeah, I just feel like you know eventually mm-hmm. it's to the point where you like he just kind of brings him straight down. But I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people are still like taking it on their shoulder or whatever, so it just looks a little clunky and weird, but yeah, I think it's kind of supposed to give it that out of nowhere feel and, uh, that it's kind of a snap, uh, snap snap motion. Kind of like you said, so it's probably somewhat intentionally like that, but I think people just kind of maybe didn't know how to take it. Like they didn't know how to take the stunner at first as well. Like you said. Right. All right. Eric is backstage. He tells RVD, he better get Kane out there tonight in front of the crowd. And RVD tells him you're exploiting him for ratings. And that's not cool. So, That's moral not compass, cool, man. <laughs> RVD, the moral compass for us tonight. What a good, what a good, uh, what a good fella. <laughs> um, Eric then goes to Terry and forces says that she has to get a Kane interview. So, just continue to push, like we said from the beginning, like that Eric's on the war path because Austin's out, so he's kind of running roughshod on everything. What a prick. <laughs> Always. All right. We now go to uh, Lars Estantz, who have crapped all over every time they show up. And I uh, guess what? Tonight's not going to be different. They're facing the uh, <laughs> the ragtag crew team of uh, Hurricane and Spike Dudley. Uh, Hurricane kind of, I don't want to hate on Spike, but Spike's more of a bump machine than, yeah. you know, anybody that's like a great wrestler. It's like Hurricane, I felt like, was the only one in this match who could really do a whole lot. Um and the thing about this is, well, he gets to it. He still manages, but like Spike is somebody who needs, like somebody who can bump him around, and these dudes cannot because they suck and they have like no offense. Um, <laughs> he finally does though, because he's like, "I'll be damned." So they backdrop him out the ring, and it's completely savage bump. Uh, also, like Spike's little uh, corner bicycle stomp. It's just like yeah. <laughs> silly. It is um, great. But even with these schmucks who can't wrestle, Spike finds a way because they backdrop him out the ring and he just falls straight on his back. And of course, it doesn't grab the rope at all. Oh, God. Just goes flying. It's awesome. (laughs) Uh, um, But uh, we see the boring chant backfiring that Stone Cold has set up because now they are not just saying it for Lance Storm as we get a boring chant during this match. 
Hurricane gets in, he tries to rev him up, hits his crossbody, but uh, it's not enough as the French come in, hit the double spine buster, and uh, intake it. So, besides Spike uh, destroying his body, this was a bit of a snoozer. So, I'm going to give the one star uh, just for Spike, but uh, La Resistance continuing to unimpress me. Yeah, I'm going to give it one star for uh, Renee breaking out the French tickler at the beginning of the of, of the match. Um, and then Hurricane taking him down and immediately doing it back to make fun of him. Um, but, you know, the one, real one star is for the spot that you talked about. Spike getting backdrop, doesn't grab the rope at all, and just completely flies and flat back bumps on the ground. So just an absolute madman. Uh, Hurricane and Spike do their best, uh, do their damnedest to make the Frenchman entertaining, but they just... They just can't do it. Uh, they can only do so much, I guess I should say. Um, I do think that La Resistance isn't very good, but I do like their finisher. I do like the double spine buster as a move. So um, that's about the only thing they got going. But yeah, I'd go one star as well. And I did not remember them sucking this bad. Like I didn't remember them being good, but they're bad. Like I, I didn't remember them being this. They're sucky. just so they're just so unbelievably generic. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's crazy. All right, Terry's looking for a cane, but her search produces no results as of yet, so he's missing. And with that, we'll head to our main event, which is going to be Triple H versus RVD for the uh, the World Championship. Uh, so Trips uh, takes control early, but uh, Rob opens it up with his normal uh, sequence of offense with the monkey flip. They take a big spill to the outside, and here comes uh, Nate immediately uh, to kind of interfere and give triple h an advantage and now it is triple h leg work time uh nate gets a few shots in we get the uh of course the indian death lock logan his triple h's latest uh submission he puts the figure four and it was like this whole middle section was so much leg work like no hope spots for rob really not all that interesting it's so like you get a good like I don't know if this was like a ten to twelve minute match. It was a good like five minutes of Triple H working the leg, like doing his best flare impression, but just real not exciting. You know, like like I said, like Rob never gets a hope spot. The crowd does not care at all, so that's not really helping you get into it. So it's just kind of them sitting in locks. Finally, uh, Rob hits a step over kick, uh, goes through his offense. Uh, he has to deal with Flair, though. He goes for the frog splash. Um, but uh, Nate comes in for the belt shot to draw the DQ. And then just like the meme, I mean, like the meme we've had all night, immediately, I mean, the moment the belt hits, <laughs> hits, here comes Eric to say that, no, nah, we're not ending it like this. This is going to be no DQ, just like every other fucking match on this show. Um, so with that, it restarts. Triple H has a chair, but Rob kicks it into his face. Eric gets back on as they're brawling on the outside and says, now it's a false count anywhere match. Uh, Orton shows up late and they kind of botch the pin on the outside as he's supposed to break up uh, RVD's pin, but he's like a, a minute, not a minute, but like a second too late. And you could tell the ref had to kind of stall. So it was a little botchy. Um, RVD basically fighting all of evolution at this point, but even with him fighting the odds, the crowd's like super checked out. They have like, I think with all the stuff that happened before in the stupid Rico match and La Resistance and everything they've been watching, they've just been put to sleep and they cannot wake them up. They're fighting at the top of the ramp. Rob Pitt's rolling thunder on the ramp, but finally the numbers catch up to him and Triple H actually wins with a DDT on the steel. Um, always love the RVD DDT cell, though. Um, yeah. It's always good, like how he um, 
stiffens, if you will, when he gets the DDT. But um, this is a weird match. I, the crowd being dead doesn't help it, as most of these Triple H Raw main events, the crowd is dead, even without Nash in there. Um, they just weren't into it. I don't think they bought that RVD at any chance. It was just kind of messy towards the end with all Eric coming in, all the restarts, and then you got all the legwork. It just didn't build up any momentum to justify all this craziness at the end. So, like, none of that really hit. I ended up going star and a half on it. Um, we'll get to the what is really the moment of the night and really the payoff of this main event. But as a match itself, it just never really clicked for me. I just think it it never picked up any steam. Yeah, I, I went gentlemen's too. Um, I thought the match actually started out pretty fast paced and hard hitting. They were put laying in some pretty good shots, so I think it at least started well. Um, I lo- I love that when the match kind of goes out to the outside of the ring at the beginning, uh, RVD kind of pulls out all the stops when he uh, he re- really wants to win this one and win the title and take it away from Triple H, of course. Um, uh, Triple H, like you said, pulls out the. Uh, he only he only pulls out the Indian Deathlock in a big match, so you know this is a big match, and they're trying to go for a big match feel. So he break, breaks out the great submission that he has, but um, it, uh, as exciting as the uh, opening bits were, that this uh, this uh, submission segment by Triple H gives me uh, anal fissures. So I, I was uh, struggling <laughs> through this uh, uh, part of the match for sure. Um, the ref definitely counts three on the uh, split-legged moonsault, so RVD gets screwed for the first time. He gets screwed again later in the match. So I don't. I should have pointed out who the ref was, but I didn't pay attention and didn't write it down. So he got. He gets. Uh, he gets an F for me for this uh, uh, refing. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, we get the restart, no DQ, false count anywhere, all that good stuff. I thought the Van Daminator that he hit when it got restarted was really good. Um, the ref, once again, screws RVD because Orton, like you said, is uh, kind of late to break up the pin. So he kind of just stops counting uh, or hesitates a little longer than he normally would. Um, but I do love that RVD is constantly fighting off Flair and uh, Orton. He seems to never kind of get overwhelmed by the numbers. Um, but I, I did like the DDT at, uh, to win the, the to win the match, as like you said, his his sell of that on the stage was sick. So really good, really good finish or really good move for the finish. But yeah, just a clunky. And it is, it, I feel like it really got thrown off by the Bischoff stuff. And it just, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like you said, it was clunky. And, but I feel like some of the stuff was entertaining, but that, that submission spot in the middle just killed it. Yeah. I feel like in these matches, Triple H struggles to, like, when we have him in these Raw main events, I think they struggle to make it believable that the other guy has any chance. And so I think a lot of times the crowd just like checks out on it and like what they're doing, the ring is not always the most exciting. And so, you know, when you have a match where the crowd doesn't really believe RVD has a chance and you're working five minutes of leg holds, it's not like, like the crowd's not getting sucked in. They're just checking out and it really hurts the match, but yeah, but the real payoff to this. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. No, you got it. I was just going to say, so the, the big payoff to this is that after all this, uh, Bischoff's on the stage, Kane finally comes out, um, and he um, kind of reminiscent of the Great American Bash spot from uh, 96. He uh, choke slams Bischoff off of the stage here, and I guess to get his revenge for all this torment that Bischoff's put him through. And really because Bischoff is the reason he has the mask off, because he's the one who set up the stipulation, and he's been you know on his ass all night and everything, so it's kind of his 
revenge and they kind of sell it as like this is the beginning of like this monster king you never know what he's gonna do so i thought it was a good moment it's pretty good payoff so i did dig that in the show yeah and the zoom in of his face was the stuff of my nightmares as a as a 10 year old (laughs) so (laughs) um but yeah i I thought the spot was really sick he there were actually two tables down there and he he kind of like misses the second one so his head kind of clipped the edge of the second one so that could have been uh more brutal than it ended up being uh actually so uh but yeah just a six spot really good way to finish things um but yeah the uh, back to the match but like you know like like with triple h and his style i, I think he just it, it it's he's built himself up as such a dominant heel that like you know I don't think anybody believes that he's going to lose a raw match or, and it's going to have to be like the greatest storyline payoff in history or something like that. Like if he, if he had lost last week, like I, it could have been believable, but like R- Rob's not going to beat him the week after that happened. Like he's going to lose on a SummerSlam. He's going to lose on a paper. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to happen in one of these raw matches. I'm not saying he should never wrestle, but like it was, it'll, it would be really hard for the, f- fans and the crowd to believe that he's going to lose in a, in a match like this, unless it just has like, like last week, it just like is a big thing that happens and it's got a stipulation for both guys. So um, if he didn't lose last week, he ain't losing <laughs> on TV at least. Right. And he just, I feel like he doesn't have that, but a lot of the, the greats do like even like a taker, like with the Jeff Hardy match or like a flair. Cause like, I mean, flair yeah. was champ for years and years and they would always find a way to kind of, suck you into it that his challenger had some kind of chance i just don't feel like it's something about it just doesn't click where you get invested in it because it's just like and i don't just the way they're structuring the match like i said i think part of it was like rob had like no hope spots like when he was working the leg it's like yeah. it was just them sitting in the holes but yeah this is a better i think that's why the uh, christian and booker uh match suffered earlier too because mm-hmm. I-, I think uh, in that little middle portion like he would get a hope spot here and there but it would just immediately get cut off so it just kind of struggled through those middle parts and then picked up at the end obviously but just not not the best way to uh, kind of structure a match yeah but yeah bad raw I, I went three and a half on this one i couldn't think of a, i mean there's not a whole lot of good on here i mean there's really no real good matches um there's some bad on here um yeah, not a whole lot redeeming. I was, I was struggling with this one. Yeah, other than like the the good portions of the match I just mentioned, it, there really wasn't anything uh, glowing on this mm-hmm. at all. Um, you get no. the title win for Gale, but like you said, the crowd didn't didn't really give a shit about it, and it, it didn't come off as like this great new big moment. So, uh, I would probably go three. I'd go a little lower just because mm-hmm. there just wasn't anything going on, like you said. No, no good matches really. Even the even the best one even struggled at points uh, to be entertaining. So, um, yeah, just just a, a bad raw. I feel like obviously the last couple episodes I voted for Raw to be the better show, but that's more because SmackDown had kind of lowered itself to Raw's level. Um, but yeah, they really they really backtracked after that uh, Madison Square Garden show last week. Mm-hmm. Get some credence to Stone Cold because you know he doesn't. He's not here, and it def, the show definitely dipped. So mm-hmm. I guess he's, he's doing something right. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Rochester, New York, for a uh, SmackDown. So we are into July, as it's going to be uh, the July Fourth, two thousand three episode of SmackDown. As usual in SmackDown, we get a very lengthy recap, mainly of the Vince McMahon, Stephanie, Mister America, Zach Gowan saga, and then we cut to Vince. Uh, 
in like kind of a pre-tape deal where he's in front of that like blue velvet looking background <laughs> and he says tonight he seals the fate of Mr. America and of course we'll have the handicap match with Big Show versus his daughter and Zach Gowan so that's how they frame the show here and then we go into our opener which is going to be uh, Ray Mysterio versus Nunzio so FBI not facing Undertaker for our once Yay! and we <laughs> and we find out that the boys are banned from ringside, the rest of the FBI here, meaning they want this to be a good cruiserweight match, not a bunch of interference spots, is the message I took from that. Um, so a lot of cool flips and reversals, as you'd expect. Um, I thought it was a real cool spot when uh, Nunzio caught Ray and kind of reversed into a powerbomb. It was nice. You know, I'm not going to try and say everything they did because it's a Ray match, but uh, Ray starts his comeback. They both run into the outside. Um, finally, the crew still show up, even though they're not supposed to, but uh, Ray survives uh, that beating um, when the APA come down to neutralize the FBI, and then Ray hits the 619 and uh, uh, takes the win with this one. But very quick, but very fun match. Uh, Kidman comes to congratulate him also, as we got, you know, steal your girl Billy Kidman hanging out in the crowd still with his ladies, but he comes and uh, kind of weirdly like somewhat smugly congratulates him you could tell they're maybe building something there but always good to see ray i like him getting the win nunzio can go well enough and i you know they got their shit in so i went gentlemen's too yeah i went two and a half i enjoyed it a good bit uh i thought this was a rare occasion where neither of these guys are like the vastly smaller man like they're actually kind of equal size uh, you know, Ray's usually fighting guys that are way bigger than he is, or even if they're, you know, another cruiserweight, that they're, they're usually still uh, a good size bigger than uh, than Ray is. And Nunzio has been fighting Taker, so to fight somebody his size has to be nice uh, after a little while. Um, Ray hits a senton dive to the outside. I thought it was a really awesome spot. Um, he goes for kind of a West Coast pop at one point, and uh, Nunzio hits a power bomb. I thought that was a pretty sick move as well um i like the back work by uh nunzio throughout um another uh cool move was a tornado ddt that ray hit i thought that was pretty good um obviously the fbi guys do come out like you said um but the apa kind of ward them off and even the odds um and obviously ray uses that distraction and gets the win so uh i thought it was an entertaining quick fast-paced little match and uh you don't really get to see nunzio have these uh, cruiserweight matches very often at this point he's been fighting bigger guys and been feuding with taker for a while so good to see him and his uh element agree yeah good spot for him he's a good uh, addition to the cruiserweight division. i think i just really like ray i think that's what i'm starting to learn on this show <laughs> oh yeah he's awesome he, he's rolling at this point i mean he's like i know the wcw stuff is like louder but he's really good in this era like even on tv like He's got a pretty high floor on these, even when they just give him like a little five minute match. But him and him and Canyon were awesome. Him him and uh, Nunzio were pretty good. So uh, I'm a big Ray guy, I guess. <laughs> I never knew. Yeah, he rolls. Um, all right, so we go to Brock and Kurt. Kurt at catering. They argue over. Uh, there's this random, I guess, like I don't know, worker girl, and there she says hi, champ, and they start like arguing over who. She was talking to uh, Kurt as a jug of milk he's drinking of, and Brock takes a swig of it. Uh, Kurt then tries to hit on the girl, and uh, Brock slaps him while he has the milk in his mouth, and he spits the milk all over. Uh, this whole thing gave me, like you said, um, anal fissures, because this was, <laughs> I hate this. 
I hate it. So, like Cole's forced laugh here at the end to maybe want to like pull my fingernails out with pliers. It was so cringy and terrible. Like I don't get what I don't get this angle at all. I thought it was corny as fuck. Like them being like a weird like cornball buddies. Like this is not what I want to see from Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Like we just had this like epic match where they were like these two supreme athletes at WrestleMania, and now we're doing this corny bullshit. Like what are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, I, I said they were in the back proteining up because uh, they were drink. Uh, obviously, so Kurt was drink, drinking the milk, and I think, uh, I think Brock was eating like a protein bar or something like that. But I said they were fighting over uh, Heather from American Pie because she looked like uh, Oz's girl on American Pie. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, he spits the milk on her and then offers her one napkin like it was going to clean up all the shit he just spit on her. Uh, but throughout the night, I described this as Brock and Kurt flirting with each other. So uh, <laughs> the flirtation true. ship that's going on it's, with Brock and Kurt uh, is uh, quite uh, abysmal for sure. And like I get for Kurt, they have really like post-mania. I feel like they've really botched Brock's character. Like yeah. I haven't really not liked what they've done with him character-wise. Like... It's All I can think back is like in the fall, him standing on the hell in the cell like King Kong, and now he's doing this stupid shit. It's not, I just don't know what they're, I don't know if they're trying to humanize him, but that's not what he should be doing. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, it, it, yeah it's, it's, it has been rough since WrestleMania for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's unfortunately going to continue as we'll see the rest of the night, but. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the Bashams here. So the Bashams in uh, Shaniqua. Um, their valet they're gonna be facing rhino and benoit which is weird i didn't know rhino and benoit are still a team i thought they had kind of like decided they hated each other or something but i guess they just gotta have a tag team but mm. um the bashrooms <laughs> control with some brawling they hit um i can't tell them apart yet so uh, <laughs> the, nope, the, nope, the bald no one worries. the bald one hit enziguri that i thought was pretty solid uh they're very like uh, S&M bushwhackers. They have that kind of energy to them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Rhino gets a back suplex. Uh, the Bashrams run into each other, and then it's Benoit time. He comes in for the hot tag, hits the flying headbutt, but uh, they were able to get through it. Uh, uh, I like the teamwork actually here by the Bashrams. Uh, as <laughs> I put Balder Bashram in my notes, stops the gore. Uh, I think he's the one that has a little bit more fuzz on his head, so I'll go with that. I think Doug is the more is the uh, is the one you're talking about. Right, the the Balder one. Yes, <laughs> Doug Balder. We'll see. We'll see if they stick around long enough for me to remember him. But uh, anyway, Benoit comes in, hits a cross face out of nowhere on, I believe. Oh look, there you go, looking at my notes up. But I think Danny is Balder. So maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I yeah, think well, Doug Doug has the more of the fuzz, and Danny is the balder. I, okay. I I was confused when you were talking earlier, but yeah, I think Danny's the much balder one, and then Doug has the kind of like peach fuzzy kind of looking head. We'll keep you updated, listeners. We'll say. Um. Anyway, but uh, but anyway, he taps to the uh, the cross face. You know, perfectly fine match. Thought it was weird. Ryan and Benoit are still together. Um, we get like this weird Shaniqua and Benoit stare down at the end. Um, and I was kind of surprised. Uh, I thought maybe you let the Bashams win this because you already built like Rhino and Benoit kind of can't coexist. Like let Shaniqua interfere and let them pick up a win. So they don't, they're not like immediately established as jobbers. So I maybe thought they should have picked up the win, but I don't know. Two and a half is a perfectly fine tag match. 
Yeah, they have that weird face-off at the end. I feel like Benoit and Rhino kind of stood in the ring too long after the match was over. It, it kind of lingered there for a little bit. It was kind of not uncomfortable, but it just seemed weird and strange. But um, Taz and Cole are very disturbed by Shaniqua's actions pre-match because I think she puts her face next to uh, Doug and does like a little thing with her tongue where she like kind of wiggles it around. And they were they were very they were very perturbed by that for sure. Um, I thought the Bashams really dominate Rhino for the good portion of the early parts of this match, for sure. Um, Taz at one point starts talking about ball gags, and uh, Cole immediately is like, what the heck do you know about ball gags? And, you know, Taz says, I'll tell you after the show or something like that. So um, good uh, commentary was at least good in this one, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, Rhino kind of gets the momentum back by making them run into each other, and then Benoit, of course, being the absolute badass that he is, comes in and dominates. Um, but yeah, he wins with the crossways kind of out of nowhere, like you said. But not a bad match. I'd probably give it like a two, just because it was kind of nondescript. But, uh, you know, it, it does seem kind of weird that the Bashams didn't get the win, because obviously they've been teasing some uh, tension between uh, Benoit and Rhino. And even they had the U.S. title tournament match last week. So uh, it's kind of weird to see them get a win here. Okay, so we cut backstage to Vince, and like one of the most <laughs> out of nowhere, like for whatever reason, before we get to the actual scene, Vince is like drumming his pencils on the desk. It's so goofy. Listening to some crazy music too. It was yeah, like real exaggerated, like drumming on the desk, making weird faces. Like I don't know. And he's wearing like uh, this like picnic blanket, like button. Yeah, like. Dude, it's so like weird. plaid shirt. <laughs> yeah, very tablecloth looking. Um, but and it, go look it up. Just it's great. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's just so <laughs> random. It's so great. But uh, Vince tells Stephanie that she looks nervous. Uh, Steph says she doesn't deserve this. She's on the verge of tears, and uh, Vince basically says he doesn't give a fuck. Is what it boils down to. He is, he is full psycho in this. In this, he's like fully out of his mind in this one. This, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier. He was, you know, you talked about him in that interview. He kind of loses his mind, but he's absolutely just absurd tonight. Just out of his mind. Very unhinged. Uh, we then go to Sable, who's now with Stephanie, doing some more horrible, great value soap opera acting here. Um, she says all this stuff about uh I know Vince would never let anything happen to you. And then she like wishes her luck and then says something about, um, you know, if anything were to happen to you, I could always be the GM, but, uh, yeah, just kind of sucky. It's terrible acting. We're so proper <laughs> shit. She says, I'll take care of SmackDown and your father. <laughs> I don't... If she gets taken out. So. Yeah. Kind of lame stuff. I haven't dug this portion of this angle yep <laughs> not much else to say all right uh noble and nidia show up in uh in their limousine here uh noble shows off his new what he calls his terminator shades uh nidia's got a fur coat which uh, noble says is the the finest genuine imitation mock mink coat that money can buy um i like too that he's like you got a fur coat it's summer baby why are you wearing a fur coat it's, it's, so, um, it's July, baby. Well, you don't need a you know, fur mink coat for that. <laughs> so great. So, just continue to push the uh, Beverly Hillbillies angle with uh, Noble and Nenia. 
and, they had, a, and they had a limo, so that they, they were they were riding in style. Right. I want to see like the movie Blank Check, where like they got eight hundred thousand dollars and they're going to spend like fourteen million. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, we have uh, Orlando Jordan backstage, I guess, like in the boiler room or something. And he's uh, Taker walks up to him uh, and they shake hands and Taker gives him this whole speech about how you got to pay your dues. Gross. And, uh, you know, post post beat down match, post beats, post match beatdowns don't fly with him. And uh, if you let that happen, you're not going to get respect. And this is all about respect. and You got to earn respect, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he challenges him. Uh, Cena shows up in his uh, Kareem gear here with the goggles and everything. And he says, now, Cena says that he's a veteran now, so Taker needs to get out of his business. So um, kind of challenging all of them and kind of pushing the Taker. And you kind of have, like, Orlando Jordan as the, the middleman here, but you could definitely see that the real feud or what they seem to be building towards is a Taker-Cena thing, which is kind of cool. I'm interested in that to see where that goes. Yeah, definitely interested to see the. Uh, obviously, they're kind of leaning towards the Cena Taker feud for sure, and like you said, Orlando is kind of the middleman. Um, but yeah, Cena pops in and says, "Don't listen to this old man. If you want advice uh, to and how to get to the top, ask me, not Taker, because uh, I'm the newest, hottest star on SmackDown." So um, little, little does he remember that uh, Taker gave him the same advice uh, a little over a year ago. So. Um, but yeah, Taker with the paying dues speech is so bull. You know, it's yeah, just it's the right. same old bullshit. You gotta pay your dues. Yeah, but you know, not 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 bad. Uh, cool to see Cena and Taker kind of get set up. Is that's really not a feud that ever happened again after this? So uh, interesting for sure. Yeah, he was very much in a. Uh, what was I going to say? Like the dog in his yard. You know, the oh, big yeah, dog yeah, in the yard mode, which is yeah, yeah always kind of lame. All right, the, the, we the now go of, to the leader of wrestlers court, uh, Taker. Big yeah. Time on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, we now go to Cena, who's going to be an in-ring action, and this is going to be our apparently a U.S. tourney match, which they just like throw this on whatever matches. Like they was, oh yeah, this is a U.S. tourney match. It's like we're oh, definitely making this shit up as you go. Um, but he's going to be facing Mr. Uh, William Gunn here. Uh, I like uh, he comes out and does his rap. He says that Billy Gunn has a weird fetish about butts, um, but then he does a bunch of like homophobic jokes about his famous his favorite food being uh, sausage and nuts. Uh, Billy chases him down and uh, lays into him. Uh, Cena turns the tide though by throwing um, Billy into the post. He then goes into a long chin lock. Billy starts firing up, but Cena puts him back into the post again. Cena goes to get the chain, and immediately uh, Taker's music hits. He does a lap on the motorcycle, which Cena stops what he's doing and watches him the entire time do this very slow lap around the ring. And then Billy Gunn gets a roll up. So, like, even by, like, that trope, this was preposterous. Like, he watches Taker do, like, a 45-second ride around the ring, like his little motorcycle lap um so the, the finish kind of kills it for me i mean do you need to have him like be distracted by taker coming out on the ramp and then do the roll up like it makes him look like such a fucking moron to watch him the whole time and like the roll up was so slow too it was it was bad even by like wrestling trope standards so i want to start a half i kind of like what they were doing before like i like seeing it constantly being resourceful and like throwing him into the post but the the finish was just good i know they're building taker and seeing him but that was that was dumb. 
Yeah, I I went uh, too. Uh, I thought the rap, uh, as stupid as it may have been, I thought I thought it was uh, I thought the rap was good before the match. Um, Gun is all over Cena at the beginning. I thought uh, he does. Uh, Billy does a ridiculous uh, bump into the post at the beginning of the match too. I thought it was really good and kind of uh, funny to see. Um, but Cena's very aggressive, kind of like you were mentioning uh, in his offense throughout the whole thing. Um, I thought the big power slam that Gun hit was really good. Um, I miss Cena doing the float over face buster move. I really, I really like that uh, uh, mm-hmm. move that he does at this point. Uh, he, he stopped doing it at some point, but I, I always miss that one. Um, and like you said, Taker distracts him for multiple minutes uh, as he's just putting around the ring and on his motorcycle. And obviously, B- Billy gets the win, but uh, definitely hurt by the finish for sure and the ridiculousness of it all. But um, I thought Cena looked good, and Billy didn't look bad himself. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was kind of digging the match until the finish. I was yeah. kind of unfortunate. It got so silly. All right. We go back to Brock and Kurt. Broed it up. They uh, <laughs> decide they want to have a push-up competition. So Brock does it first. They cut to commercial, and, you know, it, they're on three 301 or something. something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Brock's finished, and then Kurt says that he's not even going to try and declares Brock the winner to kind of troll him. Um, but yeah, just, I said it before, this shit is lame. It's not Brock's deal. Like Kirk, I got to pull this off cause he's been built up to be kind of goofy, but I just don't, I just feel like they're like killing Brock's aura with this kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it's almost like that what they were doing with Goldberg on, on raw, they were kind of making him mm-hmm. too human, too human. Uh, he kind of needs to be a machine that just destroys everything in his path. So, um, definitely weird booking for sure. Uh, but yeah, another flirting segment for sure. Right, and you're like going against Brock's natural personality too, which is not ideal. Like it sounds like, well, we're just taking his personality turn to eleven. Like you're going <laughs> opposite of his personality. Like he's not <laughs> meant to be this like like broed out guy. He's a weird Viking man. His <laughs> like, his his normal normal personality of hating everyone. <laughs> right, like so, just roll with it, like. <laughs> Yeah, very strange. Not a fan. All right, we now go to. I'm just going to start calling them world's greatest tag team because they're not team angle anymore. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't think they've dubbed them that yet, but we're going to start with that. So they're going to be facing Tajiri and Eddie uh, for the titles. We've seen this matchup quite a lot. It's been very good the whole time, but we have seen a lot. Uh, Eddie starts us off. We picked the pace up after some mat work. Always love that that arm drag drop kick. I say it every time. It's just it never gets old. It's a such a beautiful spot by Eddie. Uh, nice pace here. I like the uh, cutoff spots by both teams on this. Uh, as always, the the double teams by uh, Haas and Benjamin are excellent throughout this. They have a lot of different variations and just in general their teamwork. I think they've done a good job of like something you don't see a lot in this era. Like they are a true team. Like they are seamless with each other. They work together. Um, they don't feel like two guys who are just thrown to a team. They feel like a true team. Uh, they start working the submissions on Tajiri. Uh, he gets a little bit of separation with a kick, and then Eddie unleashes on them. Uh, like, they just keep going back and forth with each other. Too many swings of momentum for me to really describe. Uh, they're just really good at this control chaos, these two teams, like where it's just constant motion, but everything kind of makes sense. Eddie goes for the frog splash while Shelton is in the uh, tarantula. Uh, and but misses on Haas. Tajiri ends up getting thrown off the apron into the low rider that they drove out. 
um, and then Eddie uh, loses to the uh, the double team of the of the atomic drop into the super kick, and world's greatest tag team win back their champ their title belts, um, and uh, yeah, I mean great match as usual. Um, these guys can go. I, I like I said, I love the control chaos. I love the teamwork of Haas and Benjamin. Um, I like how locked in they were, like ready to get back there. Like they've fully broken away from Kurt at this point. Now they're their own team, they're focused, and they come in and they get the job done. So went three and a half. I didn't love the delay on the pin of Eddie Knight. It, like I think if Eddie's not going to kick out of it, don't do the delay. Like pin him immediately. So I didn't yeah. love that. But, you know, awesome match. I think it's the right call. Tajir and Eddie were obviously not going to be like the super long-term team. Eddie needs to kind of move on, I think, too, to like bigger and better things. Um, and these guys should be champs. I mean, they're clearly like the best tag team in the company right now. So I'm totally yes, down with us. that. <laughs> right. So three and a half for me. And we'll talk about the uh, post match in a second. Yeah, I went three and a half as well. Um, I love that they had uh, spliced uh, Tajiri's face into the Los Guerreros uh, entrance package that's on the screen. Uh, I, I don't know if they put it over Chavo's face, but like he was on the little video uh, that they put <laughs> when they came out. So I love that they uh, went through the time to did, did to do that. Um, throughout, Tajiri just lays in some awesome kicks, really, really, really stiff uh, throughout the whole match, but did, did a, quite a few of them early as well. Um, I love Shelton's athleticism. He kind of springboards out of an arm bar at one point. I thought was really cool. Um, Eddie does this thing where he gets like tossed in the air and does a drop kick. I called it a pop-up drop kick, but I think that's one of my favorite moves that he does. Cause it's just, it's so elegant and he always hits it perfectly. So I really like that move. And like you said, you pointed out the like uh, double team dive where he arm drags one guy and he actually kind of hurricane ronded him this time. Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. a drop kick, but um, yeah, it was, it was really cool this time for sure. Um, some sick backbreakers by Haas. Um, Eddie's strength always surprises me a little bit. Neither of the world's greatest tag team guys are huge, but I feel like they're a little bit bigger than Eddie is. But to see him just chuck them around with some belly to bellies, it's really impressive. So I, I like that a lot as well. Um, they uh, world's greatest tag team does a power bomb clothesline double team on Tajiri at one point. I thought was pretty sick, pretty cool move. Um, they do a pretty good job of stretching to jury and kind of wearing him down through the middle point portion portions of the match. Um, I, I was going to say this. I love the idea of the little like uh, leap over move onto the back that world's greatest tag team does all the time. But I feel like mm-hmm. as it's gone on, it's gotten a little more clunky and a little more clunky. I feel like uh, Shelton never quite gets that like a little bit, a little bit more of a leap to where he could hit it really flush. So, um, it's still a cool move and I like the idea of it, but I feel like it's, it's getting to the point where they're not hitting it as well. Um, but, um, Eddie gets a hot tag at the end of the match, cleans house. And then that's when things kind of break down to jury puts on a kicking clinic, like I said, and then he hits the, uh, or he gets tossed into the hood of the low rider, um, which kind of distracts Eddie. And then I, I kind of agree on the anticlimactic ending with the super kick, uh, atomic drop combo, uh, I would have liked to have seen something a little bit more uh, effective in the match. And like you said, with the distraction, uh, it, it, it hurt it a little bit, but it was a very good match throughout for sure. Yeah, I think it's about time. I think the Tajiriati stuff has run its course. Um, I thought it was the right time. Yeah. Um, sure. All right. So we'll get back to that. So we, we cut to Zach Gowan, who's stretching, um, getting ready for his big match later in the big show kind of, 
steps home and holds him down and says he plans to take his other leg tonight. Um, and then we, gonna, so we cut. He's going to eat it like a drumstick. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> I'm sure he's had many. Uh, Eddie, uh, we cut back to Eddie. He looks to be very concerned about Tajiri, who's still laid out on the hood of the low rider. Um, but then we find out that he's actually distraught about what happened to the truck as he throws Tajiri out the way and looks at the truck. His facials and reactions are just so good. He looks so, um, <laughs> like, so upset about all this. Uh, we then, so they show some more Stephanie, Mr. America recap. So after the break, we come back and Eddie is still upset. Um, and he ends up putting the boots into Jerry because he's pissed off. The crowd's disgusted and ends up viciously putting Tajiri through the windshield um, out of frustration and anger over Tajiri, not only costing the match in his eyes, but uh, also screwing up, which is funny because then he puts it through the yeah, windshield. Yeah, it destroys the it even more. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's an awesome bump, and Eddie sells all this so well. Like like I said, his he just his emotions. He looks so upset throughout the whole thing, and um, I like it because it makes sense. It fits Eddie's character, and then um, if it sets us up for an Eddie and to jury feud, then I uh, I have no problem with that. Oh yeah, if if that's what this is leading to, then I'm definitely in for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, Eddie's facials looking at the, and it's literally like sweat and like, you know, some like, <laughs> it, 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 nothing happened to the, it has no dents, nothing like, uh, it is perfectly fine. He could like put some polish on it and everything would be perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the windshield spot is just sick and a really cool spot. Uh, but I, you know, yeah, like I said, nothing happens to the truck, but then obviously he destroys it, but throwing his former partner through the uh through the windshield but yeah he he uh does not want to be a team anymore and uh destroyed his partner uh so he he's obviously look, looking towards something uh, a little bit more impactful for himself okay so we head to the uh the young upstart orlando jordan he's going to be facing a train here uh pulled him out of the so, cobwebs yeah, right the uh the uh, the gatekeeper a train here uh <laughs> so this is a lot this is pretty much orlando jordan taking like all of a train's arsenal he hits him with like the the stretch thing where he puts him on his back the running clothesline uh he even hits him with the derailleur that orlando jordan gets to kick out of um i guess like they're trying to push that orlando jordan's like a striker because he's kind of got like the mma looking gloves on or whatever uh like, he's kind of scrappy throughout this. He fights back a little bit, but he ends up losing. He gets hit with the train wreck and loses here. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess, like, it would, like I said, they're going from being, like, a, a striker kind of guy or something, but he just feels so generic. Like, he really has nothing, really, that stands out. And then he's just losing the A train here. I mean, my guess is that they think like him kicking out of the railers, like a big thing for him, but I don't think that's going to be enough to really get him anywhere, especially if he's still just losing the a train. He didn't look super impressive in this. I just want to star They, they, they seem to be bringing all these younger guys up in the same sort of way. Like this seems very much like what Orton was like when he debuted, like all these younger guys, young faces are kind of presented the same way. Yeah, it definitely seems like they've got a, a a way of doing this thing, but um, you you didn't hear uh, Michael Cole say that uh, Orlando Jordan has been an amateur boxer since age nine. You didn't oh, hear that? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. I did. He was I an just boxer at the age of nine, of course. You know that that's a thing. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> yeah, but just this is a ridiculous line by Cole. He talks about that uh, pretty pretty frequently throughout the match. But yeah, Train just pretty much wrecks him throughout the whole match. Um, uh, I, I I thought the submission that Train did was interesting. Uh, I've never really seen that one done. Um, I cannot believe they let him kick out of the uh, Baldo bomb derailleur, whatever you want to call it. Uh, especially if he's not going to win. If you, if I, if he's going to kick out of that, he needs to like score an upset win somehow. But he then just gets hit with the uh, the train wreck. I think is what you just call it. Uh, he hits that mm-hmm. for the win. But uh, yeah, if you if you know if if you're going to kick out of the guy's finisher, like he needs to win the match. Like that's ridiculous. If he's you know. Uh, if he's still losing to his like secondary finisher, so, um, but yeah, not not a bad little match. I I like seeing a train run run over people, so uh, I I enjoyed that. But I'd probably just give it like a star and a quarter. It, it wasn't anything too impressive. Yeah, I want a star on it, kind of like a pretty much a squash rating. But yeah, I don't know, not impressed so far. Old Orlando Jordan. All right, uh, we go to Big Show. He acts evil and creeps on Stephanie, like smiling her hair and everything, being a big, nasty giant. And then Vince says that he has an announcement to make before our main event. We get a quick WrestleMania recall of Alice Cooper with uh, Jake the Snake. Uh, And then we go to Vince's announcement here. So uh, he comes out to rant about Mr. America. Uh, they show he says he has footage uh, from last week when SmackDown went off the air when uh, Mr. America did not know that the cameras were rolling. So we see that he uh, flipped his mask off for a second to show the crowd his face um, to get a pop from the crowd. And they kind of sell that this is why he's getting fired because it proves that he was really Hulk Hogan the whole time. And so it's just a way to write Hogan off. Hogan had creative differences or whatever as he tends to and they couldn't come to any kind of agreement he wasn't under any kind of real contract so this is just their way of writing him off the show so pretty much yeah they, they lose they lost piper and, and hogan in the same week rats <laughs> right apparently he did not like the mr america character so you know that they, they weren't doing anything great with him i think the lie detector was the peak and it was all downhill from there but um he then Enough adds that events, mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> right the match tonight's gonna be no dq so he must have got a he must have be taking a cue from eric here um and he also announces that the title match at vengeance will be a triple threat match between uh kurt brock and now big show will be added vengeance kind of becoming the triple threat show because i believe last year it's the one that has the very very good um Rock, Kurt Angle, and Taker triple threat was the last year's vengeance. So maybe vengeance is like the triple threat show. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weird one where they don't know what to do. So they're just going to throw three guys in a match together. (laughs) Well, they need to get the belt off of somebody, but they don't want a certain person to lose. So they have to throw a third guy in there. Right. So just kind of like Vince, you know, riding the stuff off just to, you know, set everything in place before we go to our main event. Which is going to be Zach Gowan and Stephanie McMahon versus The Big Show. Um, during this intro of Zach, first I love Zach Gowan's Tron because like it's just everything he's done so far because he's only been around for like a month. So it's like him in the arm wrestling con, him low blowing Vince is like his Tron, which is great. And he has um, the buddiest of butt rock musics for sure. Oh so. my god, it is so, so right. It's so like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's like such a buzz ballad. 
uh, yeah, Cole's uh, intro. Sorry, sorry. When Steph comes out, uh, uh-huh. Vance is absolutely jamming to her music too. When she's walking, <laughs> he, he, they cut to him and he's just like bopping his head. So I thought that was really funny. Right. We should mention he's ringside. He can say more ringside here. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say is like his Cole's intro of Zach Gowan is so like unintentionally like, savage because he's like Zach Gowan. He's been through much. A broken home, cancer. He doesn't have legs. <laughs> like. <laughs> He's just like burying the poor. He's like talking like what a shitty life. <laughs> like he's trying to build sympathy, but he's just like burying the poor guy. Uh, <laughs> Steph looks very scared, of course. Um, I had the same note as you. I have Gallon's theme is so butt rock. It is like the. It's like if you told an A, if you told Chat GPT or AI to write a butt rock song, it'd be Zach Gallon's music. It is so on the nose. Um, but the match, if we're gonna call this a match, like show starts pushing them around. He takes off Zach Gowan's leg pretty early on the match. But uh, Zach fights back. He's got Sean on the outside. He hits a baseball slide uh, on the outside. Gets tossed back in a pretty savage spot. Um, takes a pretty sick bump. Uh, show throws him over the top rope back into the ring. He then throws Steph in. Um, Steph bumping in this one, too, I have to say. Um, but, yeah, Zach Gowan, I thought for, you know, obviously he's had more than the three weeks or whatever training that they say in kayfabe but he's bumping around in here like he's going for it he's taking advantage of the spot like he he's getting the should beat out of him here show hoist stephanie up vince uh looks concerned for a moment but of course that's a you know he's not serious and he says no nah, like, tells him to <laughs> right uh but gowan knocks vince down he's able to save steph uh but then he gets a vicious choke slam as uh show picks him all the way up uh steph then slaps Please. vince uh, Vince calls for her to be choke slam, um, but before Big Show can choke slam Stephanie, Angle comes out for the uh, save. He locks Show in the ankle lock. Vince hits him with a chair, and here's Brock uh, to come out and save his buddy. Show cuts off the F5 to Vince though, and then uh, but then Zach kicks the uh, chair into Show's face. We get the angle slam. We get the F5 on Big Show, and Zach Gowan picks up the win, of course, because this is all legal, and this is uh. An ODQ match. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. It, this was not, you know, the greatest thing you're ever going to see, but I thought it was way better than it had any right to be. I thought once they started the bullshit at the end, I thought the crowd actually got into it and there was a little bit of suspense there. And you kind of get excited because Vince is such a shithead. Whenever they come for the save, you kind of pop for it. And Zach Gowan bumped his ass off. Like he, he had his. <laughs> I almost said working boots on. Working boot yeah, on. Working boot on. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he bumped his ass off, man. Like, he, really he went did. for it. He went for it. So, I, I went two on this if you're going to rate it like a match. But it was kind of more of a segment. But I would say overall, it was, like, it was pretty effective. I, I didn't think this was that bad. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was very entertaining, for sure. With all the... With all the uh... Uh, interference at the end uh, and just watching big show. Uh, I, I said in my first note that he just lifts the two of them. Like they're small children. Like it would be like us lifting our, our children, uh, uh, you know, out of the crib or something like that, or just holding them in the air or whatever. It's just, he just lifts them up. Like they're absolutely feathers. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, and he's a huge guy, but like it, it, it's so super impressive how much he just tosses them around. Uh, I thought Gowan throughout was really good at the hope spots. He, he you know, uh, 
show obviously dominated the whole match, but Gowan got a few spots in there, and I think I thought he was really good at him and getting that sympathy throughout when he was getting attacked. So uh, re- really good performance by him for sure. Um, but yeah, Brock and Angle come in, kind of even the odds, help ward off the big show. But uh, I- I'm glad Gowan also got to hit the moonsault to get the win, even though I'm sure uh, that barely, I'm sure the big show barely felt that impact on him because uh, Gowan's <laughs> such a small guy. Um, but yeah, cool way to end the show for sure. I'd probably, I'd probably give it like a gentleman's too, cause it wasn't a great match or anything, but it was a really good moment and stuff. Right. Over delivered for sure. What it could have been. Um, yeah, I kind of like, like, I like this more than all the stupid, like soap opera backstage shit they've been doing. I think this works a lot better cause yeah. it, like you do root for Zach Gow and he is, you know, it is like kind of a fun underdog character. Like you get behind him. And Vince is such a maniac. It's yep. easy to root against them. Yeah, and he, but, does, uh, win, he does win a contract by winning this match. So It's true, yeah. So like you said, it's a cool moment. The crowd's into it. Um, but I thought this kind of ending, I thought between the tag match and the ending, it kind of saved the SmackDown. I thought it was, I feel like SmackDown's been getting a little meh lately on these, but between yeah. the tag and kind of like that kind of hot closing stretch, uh, I thought this is a pretty good show. I went five out of 10 kind of average. Cause there was a little bit of like, you know, you have Orlando Jordan and stuff in there. That's not that great, but I thought the bigger stuff hit. I'm not super excited about the main event picture, like show being forced in there, but I guess this is kind of like a holdover July pay-per-view. So I kind of get it in that not a fan of the buddy, buddy stuff with Kurt and, and Brock, but overall I thought this show picked up to like average by the end. Come on, Kurt. We're friends. <laughs> Kurt. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would go five out of ten as well. Um, yeah, a lot of the beginning stuff. Um, I thought the opener was pretty good, but uh, you know, a lot of the other matches throughout uh, before those last few, uh, like you said, uh, were kind of middle of the road for sure. Um, but I, I thought the uh, ending parts definitely picked it up. That main event, that tag title match for sure, and we get a title change, so that's always a good. Uh, mm-hmm. Good moment to have as well. So um, definitely miles better than Raw, but still not the best SmackDown we'll, we'll see throughout do it that we have seen or that we will see. So, um, but not a bad show at the same time. I agree. All right. So wraps us up. We'll hit some awards real quick. Uh, I think these will be straightforward. Best match. I think we easily have the, uh, the tag title match on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Our country mile. Best moment, I think I'm going to, I think I'm probably going to go Kane chokeslam and Big Show. I mean, Big big Show, Big Show, like chokeslams <laughs> on this show. Um, I'll probably go the Eddie slam uh, to jury through the windshield. Uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, I think even Zach Gow on his contract yeah, like, could yeah. get an honorable mention. Yeah. yeah. A few moments on these. Yeah. Uh, best show based on a rating, SmackDown easily. Oh yeah, without a without a doubt, this is one of the worst draws I've seen in any appearance on this on this show so far. LVP, I think we're going to resistance. They're they're going to lock it up for me. I think until for their positioning, you know, like they're champs and they just blow. Yeah, I, I'd probably have to go with them as well. I, I can't really think of anybody else, and and they always suck. So that's an easy good layup choice. So I'll go with that as well. MVP, I think I'm going to go Eddie for his, you know, uh, post-match segment and him being in the best match on here and just being awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would go with him. I, I'd give a, a honorable mention to Ray. I thought he was really good in that opener match for SmackDown, but uh, I'd definitely give it to Eddie because he has the turn, and I think he was really good in that match uh, before that. Yeah, like standouts on this, I'd say, you know, Ray's always good. Um, I'd probably give it to Zach Gowan, actually, because I thought yeah. for a guy with so little experience being put in a big spot with these big names, I think he's kind of not doing a bad job out there. Um World's greatest tag team, I'd probably throw in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Kane, honestly, I think, you know, he's playing this character, Phantom of the Opera type of shit they're giving him. Like, I think he did a pretty <laughs> good job with that. Like, he's menacing or whatever. Uh, I don't I'll, know, I'll, I'll throw Nunzio in there. <laughs> I thought he was good <laughs> in that one. <laughs> Nunzio in there. Cena, Cena's pretty good. I mean, Cena's yeah. pretty consistently good at this point, like week in and week out between the character and he's getting pretty good in ring. So I'll throw Cena in the mix too. Yeah. Um, just not a ton on Raw. R- Rico, definitely not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rico. Uh, but anyway, that wraps us up, Logan. Uh, another week in the books. I'm not sure. I have to look and see. I think we're still a few weeks out from Vengeance. I think it's more towards the end of July, but I have to check it. I think we still have a couple weeks left. Hopefully for SmackDown, because I don't really know what the hell they have <laughs> booked yet besides <laughs> that world title match. So they better get their shit together. But uh, um, tell us about some of the shit that you have together, podcast-wise, <laughs> as I do uh, numerous shows with you. <laughs> Uh, most of them are with you, so uh, <laughs> you might not have too many plugs after I'm done. Um, but we have a Highway to the Impact Zone. We just did the uh, No Surrender 2006 pod. Uh, we announced the uh, debut of our uh, new superstar that we've been talking about for a while, uh, Mr. Triangle. is finally coming into TNA. <laughs> um, but that, that's exciting, so we'll see, uh, we'll see him debut before too long. Um, then uh, linking up Luchas here on the North South Connection, talking about Lucha Underground. Um, we're a little over halfway through the first season, so just chugging along, having a ton of fun talking through that with you and Jenny on one team and Schiff and Sean on the other team. So uh, having a lot of fun with that. And then we just did our uh, Christmas episode for YouTube Roulette. So uh, had a ton of fun with that. We watched 605, the reunion. So um, you've probably never seen it before, but uh, whenever that does come out, you should watch it along with us as it is absurd. Uh, and we had a ton of fun watching it. So, um, And then uh, the, the other show that I do on North South Connection is Talking Docs. Uh, that's with Roger and Jenny. And uh, we talk about documentaries. Uh, and we're doing like a nature animal kind of season right now. So um, just doing that and having a ton of fun with that as well. Perfect. Yeah, I think you covered pretty much every podcast I do besides this one. So, easy one for me. There you go. Uh, otherwise, uh, check out everything else we have here on the North South Connection video and audio content, um, as I'm sure you know. Um, but anyway, we'll be back in, uh, in due time to cover another week of this glorious mid 2003 WWE. So, uh, we will see you next time, Junior. understand there's something women like about a pickup man. When I turned 16, I saved a few hundred bucks. My first car was a pickup truck. I was cruising the town, and the first girl I see was Bobby Joe Gentry, the homecoming queen. She flagged me down and climbed up in the cab and said, I never knew you were a pickup man. You can set my truck on fire and roll it down a hill, and I still wouldn't trade it for a coupe de ville. I got 
got an eight-foot bed that never has to be made. You know, if it weren't for trucks, we wouldn't have tailgates. I met all my wives in traffic jams. You're just something women like about a pickup man. Most Friday nights I can be found in the bed of my truck on an old chase lounge Backed into my spot at the driving show You know a cargo light gives off a romantic glow I never have to wait in line at the popcorn stand Cause there's something women like about a pickup man You can set my truck on fire and roll it down a hill And I still wouldn't trade it for a cooking bill I got an eight foot that never has to be made You know if it weren't for trucks We wouldn't have tailgates I met all my wives In traffic jams You're just something women like About a pickup man All stand on the Or a brand new machine Once around the block And you'll know what I mean You can set my truck on fire And roll it down a hill And I still wouldn't trade it For a Coupenville bill I got an eight foot bed That never has to be made You know if it weren't for trucks We wouldn't have tailgates I met all my wives In traffic jams Or just something women like About a pickup man Yeah, there's something women like about a pickup man.